Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to Lockdown Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Monday, January 25th, 2020, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Enter promo code LOCKDOWN and receive a 20% off on your next order. Today, we've begrudgingly got a crossover episode with Lockdown Blackhawks, and I say begrudgingly uh, because the Red Wings suck again. Uh, They lost 4-1 on Friday night. 6-2 on Sunday to the previously winless Chicago Blackhawks and in the process looked about as ugly as can be now. There are some disclaimers to go along with these scores and these stats we're about to throw out. The Red Wings were missing five players. Robbie Fabry, uh, Philip Zadina, he hit the COVID list just before Friday night's game uh, alongside Adam Ernie, Sam Gagne, and the defenseman John Merrill. So the team is banged up a little bit with COVID. I would not be surprised uh, if it was only a matter of days or you know, how many more uh, COVID list guys can you have before you start looking at the fact that the Red Wings might have to start suspending some games soon. Uh, so just the fact that they played, uh, I think, was, you know, kind of something that they were going up against in that sense. Uh but outside of that, there were still not a lot of, of good things to take out. So we'll break it all down here with Jack Bushman. Uh, but before we get to that, I have to do some introductions, and we have a post-game poem of sadness for you. I am Detroit Sports Editor Nolan Bianchi. Alongside with me, the other host of this show is a kidney stone survivor and longtime Red Wings fan. It is Ethan Smith. Ethan, what's going on? Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Uh, let's get into the post-game poem. Oh, no. The Red Wings suck again. It's 1920 energy that we're up against. Five players out can't put goals in, except for Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin. Four to one on Friday night. We thought the boys would be ready to fight. When they came back on Sunday, but it was six to two in an ugly way. We should have never laughed in anyone's face because the Red Wings are back and lowly last place. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum. <laughs> bum. Yeah, it was gross. Um, all right. Now let's welcome in uh, Jack Bushman from Lockdown Blackhawks. Unfortunately, uh, we arranged this this interview, this crossover episode before the weekend played out, had we known what was about to take place, I probably would have uh, came up with an excuse as to why we couldn't do it, but he is here regardless (laughs) with us anyways. Jack Bushman from Lockdown Blackhawks. Uh, How's it going, man? Uh, After a first pair of of wins start uh, 2021, I'm feeling pretty good. I was against uh, a Red Wings team that was a little depleted, but a win's a win. We'll take it. We're finally on the board. And your team looked good on Friday night like the power play has been working that's been kind of a storyline uh that carried them into this game and I've been kind of railroady against the Blackhawks this whole time because of one thing and that is the goaltending but Kevin Lankinen uh shows up this weekend and plays his ass off and and he just looks fantastic and is able to kind of help keep the Red Wings at bay on Friday night when they were getting chances, they were getting net front opportunities, but they couldn't bury a lot of them until Larkin made it a three, one goal late. And at that point it was kind of over. Yeah. Lankinen has been, 
huge these last two games. And even in his debut against the Florida Panthers, which he lost, the Blackhawks lost in overtime five to four, he was really composed. And so far, I'd say he's made all the saves he's really supposed to. We've gotten burned a couple times on the power play, but that's mostly been due to defensive zone breakdowns. So Kevin Lankinen's definitely uh, leading the charge so far in this goaltender competition that the Blackhawks have. And I expect him to continue, uh, expect Jeremy Carlton to continue writing the hot hand going forward. It's been great to see that we finally get some sturdy play in that. And it's also been uh, just a better effort defensively, I think. I think the last two games have both been the Blackhawks' best defensive efforts by far as uh, a team defense. I think they've helped out their goaltender tremendously more than they did through those opening four games. So it's been both a combination of Lankinen being good and also the defense has kind of made things easier for him in net. Who has stepped up the most for in your opinion? One guy that comes to mind real quick is Connor Murphy. He's been really good so he far did. for us. He's actually on a four game point streak right now, which is absurd for a guy who doesn't really rack up all that many points offensively and defensively. He's quietly been the anchor of the Blackhawks defense the last two years, but this is something we actually talked about on our last crossover episode. The fact that he was traded for Nicholas Jalmerson, people kind of looked down on him, I think, a little bit and didn't really give him the opportunity or kind of just had that negative thought in their mind when uh, thinking of Murphy. But he's really been progressing well these last three years, and he's someone that, off the top of my mind, he's playing great hockey for the Blackhawks, looking like a tremendous top-pairing defenseman, which is exactly what we were hoping he was going to become when we traded for him. So, Is this the Blackhawks team you've been waiting to see, or do you think this is maybe them playing a little bit above themselves because they are playing the Red Wings? They are home for the first time this season. Uh, you know, whatever might go into that as well. Yeah, I think there's a couple factors going into it. Obviously, the Red Wings were without five of their players that were on the COVID list, so that obviously plays a part. We finally got back to the United Center. That that plays into it. Um, but we've also just been doing the little things right. We've been converting on the power play, which the last 10 years we've been horrendous on the power play. <laughs> then we get this depleted roster, and all of a sudden we're top three in the NHL. But we've been taking advantage of other teams' mistakes. And as I just talked about, we've been playing a little bit better team defense as of late. And when you get that and good goaltending and you can convert on other teams' mistakes, you put yourself in a good position to get a victory. So while I do think, yeah, things have gotten a little bit fortunate for the Blackhawks. They got a banged-up Red Wings team. But they still played the right brand of hockey. So when you do that and get a victory, I think you have to be happy with the outcome no matter who you're facing. So – I want to talk about the first goal of today's game that Pew Suter scored, the first NHL goal of his career, the the prelude to the uh, hat trick that would be coming uh, just a few hours later. Kane, Kane enters the zone, dishes it back to Dahan, and Dahan's got a man in his face, but he still has the poise, the presence of mind to like find a shooting lane that is going to get the puck on net. It's a perfectly placed shot, bounces right off of Bernier's pad. He can't control the rebound. Suter has an easy whack in. And I just think it's important for, for teams like yours and ours who aren't very talented to be able to execute a sequence like this with regularity, because it's extremely important when it comes to creation. When I looked at that, I thought, Oh, what, you know what a Red Wings defenseman would have done. He would have just tried to rip it all the way back past Kane. Maybe, you know, hopefully Kane can regain control or the other forward. He's going to be crashing from the other side can regain control when you're just not setting your team up for the most successful outcome on this possession. Right. I think 
in, in any game, you got you to gotta take advantage of the opportunities that the other teams give you. And especially, like you said, when we're two teams that when you look at our rosters on paper, we don't wow you with talent at this point. So you got to do those little things right, and you got to take advantage of those opportunities that, that the other team gives you. So that was a, a very crucial point in this game. Blackhawks are now 2-0 and when they score the first goal this year. And Calvin DeHaan just doing – making – a great little play, getting the puck on that. And it's simple things like that that can get your team going and start kickstarting things in the right direction. So I'm glad you talked about that, actually, because I think that was a really big moment in this game. And it's something that the Blackhawks have struggled with in the past, I think, try, trying to bank the puck to the front of the net, ring it around, and just not taking advantage of the opportunities that are in front of you. Sometimes I think you make it too tough on yourself. And when we're two offensive teams that are probably going to struggle to put the puck in the back of the net this year, you got to be able to take advantage of those chances and, and really not pass up on, on scoring opportunities. As Eddie Olchek always says, good thing, good things happen when you put the puck on that. Yeah. And, and that's actually my NHL 21 strategy. Just get the freaking puck on net. Anytime I enter the zone, I literally just press the up button and hopefully <laughs> toss it on happen. But like, it, it's, it's important to note about the talent too, because if that puck does come around, let's say uh, Franz Nielsen does corral that puck when it comes around the corner, what is he going to do with it? Then nothing, probably nothing. It's a, it's a low event player who will not be able to make a play on that puck. And it's, that is, it's just something that I wish the Red Wings would take advantage of because, and this is something that me and Ethan might get on uh, later in the show is one of our takeaways from the series, but they just don't have the finishers right now. And it was made evident on Friday night, because I mentioned earlier, they did get a lot of opportunities, especially five on five. They did get net front chances, but Nemesnikov couldn't score. Brome couldn't finish. Filpula obviously cannot finish. And so it's just frustrating that the, even when the style of hockey that the Red Wings are trying to play works, it only works for a certain handful of guys that have high level finishing ability. And it's gotta be tough when you're without a couple good goal scorers. Um, I mean, a couple big, a couple pieces in the lineup. So yeah, it's probably Dina, Fabry. I mean, exactly. Sam, Sam Gagne, Sam Gagne and Adam, Adam Murray. I don't know. You'd throw those guys, you know, I mean, there's still veteran NHL players that aren't taxi squad members. So this is true. Uh, John Merrill uh, added on to that list as well, just to round it out in case you hadn't heard who the five uh, players were. All right. I must interrupt this interview because I am losing my uh, insides and brain right now because I have put down a lot of money on the green Bay Packers to win this football game. Now I don't like the green Bay Packers. I hate the green Bay Packers. I love me some Tom Brady, but when I'm a betting man, you gotta, you gotta bet with your, your head, not your heart. And when you place your bet, you gotta do it in the one place that we trust. Uh, and that is betonline.ag. There's only one place that has you covered uh, with all of the NFL games, props, uh, overs, unders, totals. They got the best lines. They got all the lines. Uh, and with NHL and the NBA in full swing, there is no better place to start dipping your toes into the world of sports gambling, where it is, which is now legal in Michigan. Uh, so now is the perfect time to take advantage of this uh, because we've got an offer for you, a very special offer from betonline.ag. And that's when you enter our promo code locked on. 
you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus. So you put in 100, you get back 150. Uh, you know how that stuff works. It's really simple. And you can be placing bets on tonight's hockey games by the time that this ad read is over. It is that simple. It is that easy to sign up. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This is uh, Bertuzzi looking at Setaguchi across the ice, and your dead seems to be what uh, he is mouthing. All right, and before we get back into segment two, I just want to let you know that you can get more of the sports news that you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily show breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in after 20 minutes. Subscribe to Lockdown Today wherever you get your podcasts. Ethan, what do you got uh, on this game from Friday night? I would say, really, to, I wanted to talk more about the, the, how paper-thin our team is. It's when we're all healthy. I mean, NHL, like you said, like an EA Sports roster, when everybody's healthy, it's like, all right, look, we have two solid lines is good. But, God, when we lose two guys up front, one goal score. I'm terrified to see what's going to happen if we lose, not Manta, but like a Watkin <laughs> or a Bertuzzi. It's just, it's, it's worrying to see because we, you know, we, we've been playing great in the beginning, but it's just been, it's going to suck if we run into COVID troubles or just injury troubles on that front too. It's not even just COVID. Yeah. You guys don't have, if you don't have Dylan Larkin this weekend, you probably score one goal probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, because he had both the setups on today's goals. So yeah, maybe assists on today's goals, and then an unbelievable individual effort that was not for so was the beautiful. the goal on Friday night in a losing effort. Then he comes right back a couple minutes later, draws a penalty, uh, but then the Red Wings obviously did not convert, and they did not make a comeback attempt. I actually wanted to get your opinion though on the Red Wings goaltenders, Thomas Grice and Jonathan Bernier, because after four games, they looked at every game. I think in the in the first couple of games. I think they both kind of had a case for maybe squeezing their way into player of the game. Uh, but in this series, they kind of started to show some of the chips in that, uh, in that armor, whatever you want to call it. And I guess just what did you expect to see from them? What did you think you were facing coming in versus how it actually played out? Because Jonathan Bernier, I mean, like it, it was one of those, like one thing after another type deals. And a lot of those goals weren't his fault, but at the same time, it just, it seemed to me like you could never, you guys could never get the big save that you needed. I mean, a lot of the times it's tough when you're trailing to say that, but I think it wasn't horrible goaltending. Obviously we just capitalized on our man advantages and teams are going to get, get theirs when you, you know, you get, give so many power play opportunities. So I didn't think the wings had terrible goaltending, but at the same time, like I said, I just think a timely save, probably could have helped you guys but when you score two goals you know one goal a game how can you expect yeah. to win at the same time right so. yeah. exactly it's it's more of like a like just like you were saying like what if we made those two saves i mean it's the final store the final score is still going to be four to two right exactly it's, so it, it's, it's tough to say that when you're trailing the whole game right you gotta score you gotta score to win all right, exactly. Jack. So I guess I, the, this is my last question. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to uh, kind of touch on before we got off the line with each other, but the power play, we kind of 
talked about how influential it was in this series. Uh, Blackhawks going three for seven, Red Wings going two for 10, both of those goals coming on Sunday, a feed from Dylan Larkin to Tyler Bertuzzi in some way, shape or form. Uh, but you mentioned that the Blackhawks penalty kill coming into the series, not very good. And on Friday night, I kind of like, there were many, many moments where I, I realized and was like the full frustration of how I view this power play was kind of, you know, met. And that's Anthony Mantha bringing the puck down the half. So often our guys are getting stuck on the outside hash marks along the half wall there. Like they get the puck there and it's like, they're on a fast break and they pick up their dribble and they just limit like 60% of their options. And you're just sitting there and nobody knows what to do because the power play doesn't appear that it's supposed to be run from this set formation. And then, so nobody's got any passing lanes that's very easy to defend when teams were beating the Blackhawks on the penalty kill, how were they doing it? They were really moving the puck quickly and they were getting good entries to start. So that's a a good point to make. You got to get, you got to get in the zone with the puck to start it all off. And and that's one thing that's killed the Blackhawks the last couple of years. Um, That's where teams have found success against us. And that's where our power plays started to find success too. We're actually starting to get the puck into the zone and set things up last couple of years. It seems like the first minute and a half were spent. We were spending chasing the puck behind our own, our own net and trying to set things up this year. We're actually finally getting comfortable passing the puck efficiently and we're just firing the puck, make the easy play. We've talked about this a couple of times already on the show. We've gotten a couple of just easy rebounds, easy goals in front and a couple one-timers, Dominic Kubelik, I still don't know why this guy is not regularly playing on the power play, <laughs> but he had a couple clap bombs for goals against the Panthers. We're just making the simple plays, making the easy reads, but it all starts with you got to get yourself set up in a position to have success and get into the zone with efficiency. And to go back to your point on the half wall, getting stuck there, that's kind of where we were with Patrick Kane the last two years. It was like, what's Kane going to do? with the puck here in the offensive zone, everyone knows we're going to let him just hold it at the right dot because there's no weapons around him for anything to do. So it's like a trap basically. Yeah. And we had nothing to do with the puck, but now we're starting to take the puck into the zone with Alex to it a little more Dylan Strom starting to carry the puck into the zone. So we're not trapping Kane in that corner per se, and just limiting our options to, well, what's Kane are going to do here. We're expanding our options. And I think that's also creating opposing penalty kills to have to adjust you know we they now know we have other pieces that are capable of doing this and that makes everyone's job a little bit easier so I think it's a combination of a lot of things it's never easy to solve power play woes as I said the Blackhawks have been terrible at it for the last 10 years and it's been making me bash my brain against the wall but I think for the wings you got to just it, it's tough especially when you're limited so much but I just felt like it was the Dylan Larkin show on the power play the whole day today and it worked today but on Friday it didn't so and yeah. That's really was a big difference. The special teams battle was a really big difference in the series. And it's important to note too, Anthony Mantha is not Patrick Kane. Like Anthony Mantha, he's a, he's a very, when he wants to be, when he's playing at his absolute best, he is an extremely high level finisher. He can take those shots. If, but here's another thing. There's no net front presence for the Red Wings either. So those shots aren't being in any way, uh, you know, contested in the goaltender's face. There's no chance for a deflection. It's Anthony Mantha is going to have a clear shooting lane, but the goaltender is going to be able to see it every right. way. He's going to be able to make the easy save. And Anthony Mantha is also not quick enough to make that quick first move and get out into open space in a better shooting position. Like I'm sure you saw Patrick Kane do time and time again 
to kind of uh, detract from how awful the actual strategy was. Right. So it's a tough spot to be in. And I'll tell you, I've been there for the last <laughs> basically decade. So have fun, boys. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Uh, we'll let you get out of here. Go enjoy the Packer game. Yuck. Ooh, wait, I got one more really yeah, quick. I do got one more too. I okay. do want to watch this game, but I do got a question. Ethan, you can go first though. How do you feel about Crawford retiring? It's, it was just odd timing, right? Like he obviously wanted to play at some point because he went and signed with the devils. But I think what really honestly happened was he got blindsided by the Blackhawks, not bringing him back. And he scrambled to go find a team. And then when he sat down and realized it, he was like, first off, this team's not in a position to be any good. I'm not going to be the starter here. Probably going to split time with Mackenzie Blackwood. And what more do I have to prove? So I think just a lot of factors came into it. Also, you know, I don't know what his body's feeling like, but he's dealt with multiple concussions. Mm -hmm. He's 36, might've just turned 37 in December, either turned 36 or 37. So he was getting up there in age. I, I wasn't surprised in the least, but it was a little sad to see that. Uh, yeah. Just it ended that way with, you know, we weren't able to retire Crawford kind of in an honorable sense. We kind of just cut him, right. loose and, you know, it, and it just continues the Blackhawks disrespect they've shown to some of their core players. Players. So it was a little disappointing to see that it ended that way. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm happy that Corey was able to reach this decision at a time that he wanted to. And, you know, seriously, one of the best goaltenders in Blackhawks franchise history and one of the most underrated pieces of this core. So yep. I'm happy that the guy's able to, you know, hopefully go into retirement and happy with his career. I think Mickey Redman touched on it pretty nicely too like when you get to the stage of that or that stage of your career there's a lot of things working against still continuing to lace it up and do it and when you have all of the extra protocols and isolation and all those things that's going into playing hockey in the national hockey league this year it makes it a, a lot easier of a decision i'm sure that probably had a lot of right. things to do with it as well right so a, a lot of different factors and just the timing of it all was just a little weird, obviously, but it is what it is. Crow. I wish you could have retired a Hawk, but that's how it's been going with the, with the front office lately. So I can't say I'm surprised, but uh, the one question I did want to ask you guys was obviously you got a pair, a pair of wins coming into the series. And I know you were down. We've talked about it a couple of times. You're down five guys, but what was just the biggest difference to you guys that you weren't able to beat? a team like the Blackhawks who we know are not very deep and not very good. Why, why weren't you guys able to beat them this weekend? Do you think? Well, the Red Wings definitely didn't get the goaltending uh, in this series that they had in the previous two games. And it's not like they were awful or that they let in a ton of bad goals, but it's like you said, they could not make the big save uh, when they needed to. And that was something that did happen over those first, first four games. I mean, the opener against Carolina, I think the Red Wings got outshot like four, 43 to 14 or something like that. And Thomas Grice looked good. He didn't look like he was over. Ethan kind of broke it down, but there was no, like, he made it look effortless. A 43, very you know, calm. A 40 save game uh -huh. looked very uh, calm. In that. And that was something that we saw throughout those four games, the one constant, I would say. Uh, and then just on top of that, the, the, really the, the lack of zone coverage in the defensive end, like Philip Aronik was not very good in this series at all. And he hasn't had the best start to the season. He led the Red Wings in ice time this year. This was the season that you were kind of hoping that he would really start to assert himself as a, you know, firmly in a top two, top four role. Uh, 
but he just kind of hasn't really done that as well. And then just taking all those things into consideration, I mean, you're running the power play still does not look uh, very good, but I think you really just chalk it up to the, the lack of finishing on Friday night. And then on Saturday, just one it, on Saturday was just a catastrophe or, or Sunday. Sorry. Uh, Sunday was just a, a a bona fide catastrophe. I said it before we went on there. There was so much 1920 Red Wings energy uh, in this game. It was disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's but, basically that'd basically be my summary of it, too. So, who do you guys got next? Uh, Dallas, which is great because they just smashed the Nashville Predators seven to nothing in their home opener or in their season opener. We got the Predators. Uh, so that's that's pretty sweet. I'm very much looking forward to that. I honestly, I, I saw something today. Uh, I think it was from Wingate and Motown, which is the SB Nation Red Wings blog. And they were like, well, allow us to put on our tinfoil hat for a second. But I, with five players out due to COVID, like, would this game have been canceled if it wasn't on national television? So, I mean, I, I don't know. There's just, you're going on the road for the first time. You're missing five guys. You got three, four guys meeting you up on the taxi squad, like entering into the mix. I, I would say that that, what, what was your original question? <laughs> Who do you got next? <laughs> oh, Dallas, Dallas. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens there, but they look, uh, I mean, they, they look yeah. like they, they're firing on all cylinders to go here. Well, best of luck, boys. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Where can people find you on Twitter and all that good stuff? Yeah, if you want to check out my daily Blackhawks podcast, you can find that at L, capital L, capital O underscore Blackhawks on Twitter. That's my Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. And also, if you want full Blackhawks coverage, you can check me out at Talk and Hockey, T-A-L-K-I-N, capital H-A-W-K-E-Y. My personal account's at Jack Bushman, too. So if you want any Blackhawks coverage or just coverage on sports all the time, that's where you can check me out. And I will say, Jack, let me give you a quick, uh, let me give you a quick boost here. Okay. I'm obviously very clearly not a Blackhawks fan, but I think it is good in principle to keep up with, you know, the other teams in our division. I really, truly enjoy listening to your show. Uh, I, it is in my rotation of podcasts. So if you like it, like just simply staying informed, there's not like a ton of fandom to your podcast. I would say like, it's very clear that you have always loved the Blackhawks, but the uh, one thing I think is very nice about it is it is that it is very informative level-headed uh, and all that good stuff. So if you ever do have like a curiosity about the Chicago Blackhawks, I highly recommend uh, you go in and checking out Jack's show. So thanks so much, man. Appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you for the kind words, Nolan. I really appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day, man. All right. Also got to drop in here today to talk to you guys today about Built Bar. Uh, with six new amazing flavors, the improved Built Bar is even more delicious than ever before. They've got caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Built Bar actually just sent a brand new box of bars to my house last week, and I've been eating them for breakfast. I've been eating them for lunch. I've been eating them for dinner. And I've been eating them for a midnight snack because quite frankly, with the sprained ankle, I can't leave the bed. And I was very worried about uh, packing on the pounds without the fact that I wouldn't be able to get any exercise. I'm used to being up on my feet, walking around all day, all that type of good stuff. But instead, thanks to the Built Bar, I've been able to actually lose a little bit of weight because I'm not mixing in all those terrible snacks from the freezer or from the pantry after midnight because I can't get down the stairs. It's a perfect situation for my weight loss program. Sprain your ankle, get some Built Bars, lose profit. Uh, and Built Bars are healthy for you too. They're great for the health conscious guy 
like I said, you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And that's really been the best part uh, of the Built Bar besides the health benefits that I do get from them is the fact that I'm not settling for the Built Bar. I'm like, hell yeah, this is what I want. Uh, it's delicious. It, cr- it helps me cure that sweetness craving. Uh, and it gives you just anything you need to take on the rest of your day. And when you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code locked on, you'll get 20% off of your next order. That's promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. And you'll get 20% off of your next order. All right. And before we hop back into segment three, just want to let you guys know that we have a very special guest, Detroit Red Wings radio voice, Ken Kale on tomorrow's episode. You're going to want to press subscribe and make sure that when you wake up tomorrow morning, that show is downloaded and waiting for you for your morning commute. Uh, In the meantime, though, we've got some news to break down. We obviously just covered the weekend series with Jack Bushman. uh, And I wanted to jump in to the biggest news of the NHL, possibly this season, maybe the biggest trade that we'll see in this calendar year. And that is the Winnipeg Jets dealing Patrick Line a two the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, for Pierre-Luc Dubois, as well as uh, they sent Jack Roslovic as well, and they got back a third-round pick. So the third-round pick goes to Winnipeg. Roslovic goes to Columbus. Uh, your thoughts on the deal? This broke – I mean, like, there were – it kind of all came together pretty quickly. I, I believe Pierre Lebrun said on Friday that there was 12 teams that he had heard who were interested in Pierre-Luc Dubois and – it all comes together very quickly with the rumblings coming out Friday night and then it being a done deal on Saturday morning. You know, I feel bad for both of them. I do too. They're both like, yeah, I kind of want to go play in a nicer city. I'm really sorry, but I just don't want to be here. And they're like, yeah, yeah. You ever heard of Columbus or you ever heard of Winnipeg? <laughs> How about you just That's go to the exact going. same city? Enjoy restricted free agency for the next four years, loser. <laughs> it was and so then, Go ahead. It, it was so funny because you do feel bad for these teams when their superstar wants out because of the small stage. And like, honestly, good for both franchises for being able to pull off a deal like this where they're the, get the exact same level of superstar back. Yeah, really dude. I mean, I just, I guess I feel more for um, line a going to Columbus strictly based off of the fact that he has to deal with Tortorella who's a known sniper hater. So it's line A's line A might have a real rude awakening ahead of him, but uh, Jesus, man, I don't even, he, there's not even like an easy out either for either of these guys. <laughs> like Winnipeg, I think Dubois will have fun in Winnipeg. They're just a diehard city, even though it's now, you know, Chicago or um, Dallas or anywhere he wanted to play the Rangers or whatever he wanted to do. But I mean, he's going to, fit in really well with that team he's a big power big power center and that team is just a big team and he, he and be, they are there. loaded up the middle you got mark shifley and pierre luc dubois uh as your forever one for another 10 years yeah for as long as you want or as, as long as until one of them requested another trade out of town but uh for the foreseeable future, you got PLD and Mark Shifley coming up uh, as your as your one-two punch up the middle. That's that is something, and we've talked about it before. Like the the main the most difficult part of your franchise maybe to acquire is an elite one-two at center. Definitely, you know, and 
even I guess Jake or Jack Rosovic was more of like a throw in for this, but he's, he was a first round pick as well. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got 67 points in 180 games. I mean, he's, I don't know if you know this, but he was born in Columbus. Oh yeah. I actually, I actually cool. did hear that. They said uh, he gets to go home. Yeah. Pretty awesome. So, you know, he's a serviceable player. Hopefully he can grow into more of a role there. I think that's somebody that torts will like a lot. Um, and really, I mean, two pieces for Pierre-Luc Dubois is great. I mean, they got a, they get a 40-goal score, and they get another serviceable forward as well. Yeah, the uh, you know what was really funny was hearing Mike Babcock break down the uh, trade today. I, I believe today was like his first day on the job with NBC, and uh, he was kind of talking about what happens when a superstar is disgruntled with his dickhead coach. And uh, it, it was so funny because Mike Babcock was so passively breaking, breaking down the situation while so passively like trying to, you know, maybe alleviate some criticisms of his own personal situation. <laughs> He's like, you know, whenever there's a situation that, like this that occurs, you really, I'm telling you right now, that the coach just wants to win hockey games and, and, and turn this kid. I mean, this, this man, this man uh, into a, a more mature adult. That's, that's really at the end of the day and help him grow and find his um, potential as both a human being and a hockey player. And I know that that's exactly what John Tortorella is doing. <laughs> It's going to be fun to see him toe that line between him being an ex coach and him being uh, like a broadcaster now. Yeah. Uh, There's going to be a lot of horse shit coming out of his mouth. For sure. But here's the deal. I mean, Darren McCarty said this on our show. He is the greatest X's and O's coach that he ever played for. And I think while everybody hates Mike Babcock and maybe rightfully so, I mean, we kind of went on, I went off on him. Uh, a couple of days ago in his little apology tour. But the fact of the matter is you're going to get some pretty decent analysis at the, uh, yeah, he's going to be great intermissions. He's going to be a thousand times better than Mike Milbury ever was. And just bring a lot more to the table in that sense. And while we yeah. may not like the voice that's, you know, telling us these things, I think uh, at the end of the day, if I honest, if I had to pick, and obviously NBC didn't have to pick between these two guys, but if I had to pick between Mike Milbury and Mike Babcock, I would still go Mike Babcock. Yeah. Easy. 100%. I was just going to ask you, wouldn't you totally rather have Babcock than Mike Milbury? Oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of broadcasters, we should also probably mention Mickey Redmond said bitching on the Red Wings broadcast the other night, two straight games where he's dropped a swear. Uh, I love it. The dude is just on fire. And it was, and th- there was no mistaking this one. Uh, he said, he was referring to a player complaining about something. He said, yada, 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 bitching about the penalty. Uh, so there was no room for. Gotta love it. Wiggling around. Speaking there. like it is. Uh, we'll get into Anthony Mantha probably later on down the week, because that goal that he allowed uh, by Yanmark to put the, the game really in an unreachable position today, it was three to one. Uh, obviously the Red Wings weren't in a very good spot, but the game was still within reach. And then Mantha gave up an awful, awful goal today, uh, that I, I thought we were going to touch on, but we are going to probably get to it at a later time. Cause we're pushing up against it today. So we'll see you back here tomorrow with Ken Cal, uh, 
We're really excited. Subscribe, tell your friends about it. Uh, if you have a loved one who enjoys the Red Wings, make sure you send them uh, the episode. Just drop a link or something. Be like, hey, what's up? Uh, these are my friends, and they'd like it if you listen to their podcast because that would be really nice of you. So we'll see you back here tomorrow. Same time, same place. It is your team every day. Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.